Hello and welcome to the podcast where we shine a light on the complexities and challenges surrounding the importance of human behaviour on cybersecurity and compliance. That's right, we're talking about people being at the centre of information security and data protection and the challenges of engaging users to create change in their behaviour. This is Beyond the Firewall. Hello and welcome, where today we'll be talking about how to make cyber awareness training work for your workforce. Now, the other day on LinkedIn, actually, an ex-colleague of mine posted a fun challenge. Now, I am aware LinkedIn being a professional social network and fun, they don't always go together, but bear with me. Uh, The challenge from my old colleague, Jason, hello, Jason, if you're watching, was to share a picture of your old training course certificates. Now, I don't know about you, but when I first started in the IT industry back in a long time ago, training usually involved some kind of residential course in in a random part of the country. And at the end of the course, the week, whatever, alongside all the thick bound training manuals and materials, you got a backpack if you were lucky to take them home in. But you would also be given a certificate, possibly printed on posh paper with a signature from your course instructor at the bottom. And, and the unwritten rule was that you had to take this certificate back to the office the following week. Make sure that your manager, all of your colleagues also saw it so they knew that you hadn't been skiving off that week and you'd actually been doing some, some learning. Now, looking back 20 odd years on, it all seems rather quaint and primitive, doesn't it? But upon reading that LinkedIn post, I remembered that I'd kept all of my old training course certificates. And as it turns out, I wasn't the only person because this LinkedIn thread, it caught fire. And before long, we were all trying to uh, outdo each other with memories and certificates and anecdotes from training courses that we'd attended back in the day. Mostly, it has to be said, for software products that no longer exist. Anyway, back to today's theme. And, you know, I'd hazard a guess that if anybody involved in cyber awareness training right now could guarantee that people would in 20 years time, maybe less, still be reminiscing fondly about their courses, that they'd be pretty pleased. The reality though is that making cyber awareness training stick for more than 20 minutes is perhaps challenge enough. And that is where our two guests today come in to share some tips and experiences on how to make memorable and effective cyber training. So please join me in welcoming Chief Information Security Officer at It's Done, Ravi Sankar. Hello, Ravi. Hi. Hey, David. How are you? Thank you very much for having me here. Thank you very much for taking time out of your busy day to join us. And also joining us is Chief Revenue Officer at Metacompliance, James Mackay. Hello, James. Hi, David. Uh, Great to be here. Looking forward to having a chat. Yeah, me too. So let's kick things off. The anecdote I I shared at the beginning, true story, and I've actually got a pile of my training certificates down here. Ravi, what was the first training course that you remember going So, on? So for my side, I'm not coming from the IT sector, so I they were never introducing me to the new tools. So mine was coming from financial services. Mm. And, you know, when you go back without giving away to the days of the dinosaur, but there the training was actually talking about basic things, hardware, software, trying to explain to a bunch of accountants, you know, how all of this worked and things didn't just magically turn up on your desktop or on your screen. You'd be surprised how many people just automatically assumed, hey, I turn on my my device and there it is. 
And so it was really introducing us to, to the core components and how things worked. And, and security in those days was not, was not really a big topic, you know, other than have a strong password if you could. And even that wasn't so big, if you know what I mean. So we're really talking the days of the dinosaur. And, and since then, I think this is sort of the new industrial revolution. In the last 20 years, we have seen such rapid growth that you're no longer talking hardware, software anymore. Things have just gotten way more complex, more integrated. So what we did back then, where we talked segregation of duty, those those are all obsolete points and just dead in the water. And so, yeah, it's been an eye-opener seeing where training has gone to from 20 years ago to today. Yeah, how naive we were 20 years ago. That, that is Security, the reality. <laughs> certainly. How about you, James? You, you look as though from your youthful gaze yeah. uh, 20 years ago, you were almost certainly still at school and not talking about professional training well, courses. Only just, but yeah, about 15 years ago was my first uh, professional training course. And it was exactly as you described, David, a, a residential course. It was actually in financial services as well. So a residential course away and you got all the gear, you came back with the big massive folders and mm-hmm. absolutely there was, there was part of that on security. But I think over the last 15 years, you know, cybersecurity has become a much bigger threat and therefore people are taking it much more seriously and spending much more time on it. Indeed, indeed they are. So to, to our point today, and, and James, I'll come to you first of all. You know, we're talking about the challenges that organizations face, particularly when it comes to cybersecurity awareness training. So just expand upon what those challenges in, you know, 2020, in the 2020s are. Yeah, well, I think, I think what we see is, um, in reality, cybersecurity is pretty boring. Uh, to, to most people, uh, and, and, and I think that's really important to, to mention. So it's about making the training really interesting. And then, um, really, a lot of organizations we see, you know, don't have the clarity of actually who needs trained, what they need trained on, why they need trained, and really having a very good plan around, you know, all those different user groups is really important. And then I think over the last sort of 10 years, you, you know, we've come from a, a very, you know, one-and-done approach where we're you know, maybe doing training once a year to actually more organizations are getting more mature in, in, in rolling out security campaigns and, and, and programs. And we're seeing more organizations take this on a monthly and quarterly approach. So, you know, time is also a, a challenge for them. Yeah, indeed. And, that, and that, that one and done approach, we'll come to that in a moment. But, you know, I reflect various uh, workplaces I've worked in, various clients I've worked for, where there's a whole wealth of training, not just cybersecurity training, but all the different policies that, you know, at some point I need to have made sure that I've, uh, I've ticked a box somewhere for the, whatever the governance team is. And there is a real time pressure there. How much of my time do I spend doing my actual work? And how much of my time and my brain power do I spend trying to keep up with all of the regulatory and, and, and governance-based policies and training that I also need to keep up with? But we will, we will touch on that later on. Ravi, tell me in your work, and you know, just for our, mm-hmm. for our listeners and our viewers today, just set the scene of where you're coming from in this. What difficulties have you found when trying to make sure that your workforce stays cyber aware. So let's go back and, and, and sort of think about what security was, you know, 10 years ago. 
it's the and I can, the best example I can use is is your home. Ten years ago, all you needed to do was close your front door, close the windows. You were safe. Then it changed with each year going past. All of a sudden, you needed to add alarm systems. Then it's dogs out front or whatever it is, and you started to build. And I think it's the same with security. We were trapped in an old mentality of the approach to security, which has now changed, and it's it's changing at a rapid pace. So it's translating that old mindset into the new way of of looking at security and cybersecurity in particular. You're right. There are legal drivers like the EU GDPR law, et cetera, that are forcing you to take a more proactive approach to security. So, So we have the legal component that's forcing you. But the technology changes, moving to the cloud, on premise, hybrid situations, all of these are adding new dimensions to what the perimeter is. What are you actually protecting? And I guarantee that so many people involved, not from the IT side, just your general users, have no idea where that border is. What is it that we're actually trying to protect? Because they're interacting with it in a seamless fashion every day. And what we've found is that that seamless interaction causes you to sort of have a blurred vision of what you're doing. Because you really can't see where that, that boundary is. And I think the security training now is to reintroduce people to where those boundaries are. What are we actually trying to protect? How are we protecting it? Even senior architects and, and, and people that are in the business are also forgetting some of the very basics because you take it for granted as part of your daily work. So you're, you're not focused on it because it's, it's, you know, your work is highly complex, but yet you forget the very basics of what you need to do to secure your environment. And I think small bite-sized training, so to answer the first part of your question about how do we manage the time resources, one of the key components is can I do it while I'm having my cup of coffee in the morning before I start my day? Can I, and, I, and I think that having training in those bite sizes has made such a difference. Ten minutes, you know, we can absorb it very quickly. It doesn't drain us. It's not this long, boring, painful, drawn-out session. You know, it's just little interesting tidbits that are reinforced and stick in your mind. And I think that that has been one of the game changers to training. You know, our old days of sitting down for eight hours, listening to someone go on and on and on and on are gone. Now we're just getting really focused, delivered content that we can just quickly absorb and move on to our daily work. So that, yeah, that's where I see it and, and where I see the changes that have been really beneficial today. Yeah, and I guess if, if anything has happened over the last year or so, as, as we're recording today, you know, that, that idea of going away on a residential course for a week or, you know, even leaving your home for a week is almost entirely foreign to, to, mm-hmm. to most of us in, in Europe and indeed in many parts of the world. And what you're talking about there is meeting your workforce where they're at rather than grabbing them and bringing them into a training course and forcing them to work around how you want to run the training. It's actually taking a step towards them and saying, okay, then, so how do you work? What's the best way that you are going to consume, engage with this content in and amongst your working day and amongst your other activities? And that's not like you say, eight hours, it could be half an hour here, 15 Mm -hmm. minutes there, coffee break, lunch break, whatever. Tell me though, Ravi, in terms of the different roles within your organization, Mm -hmm. does the same approach work for everyone? You know, because a variety of roles from very technical, 
people who actually maybe find cybersecurity quite interesting, believe it or not, down to people who, you know, don't. You've got seniority levels as well, C-suite, down to people who, you know, maybe don't engage with technology in any way, shape or form. How do you make the content fit? We found that a bit of a challenge because our organization, it's 250 engineers. So they're highly skilled, you know, going from architects to network engineers, etc. And, and they, they believe that they know, they know quite a bit about security generally. But what, what has come out of our trainings, so you've had to target for your C-level, we've, we've used special different material for them, different material for administration. But I've also used very general material that we have had. And the, the best example I can give was, the, was, a, was one of the trainings that we did from work from home. And one of my senior architects came to me afterwards and said, wow, you know, I never thought about my kids taking a, a picture, a selfie with my work in the background. It just didn't occur. Exactly. Exactly what you said, right where you are, David. And what he said was, and, and, and it struck him now, this is a senior architect that's accustomed to creating very complex cloud solutions. And here was such a basic, basic security situation that he just went and said, it just didn't even click that this was a possibility. And so that small 10 minutes of training added so much value to how he approached his work from home that for me, it just showed that it's not, it, you know, you have security, yes, we have to do individual pieces that may be a bit more, more complex for those specialists, but there's some general topics that can really add value to everyone. And, you know, without doing the plug, but with meta-compliance, we found that we had some really good general topics that we could use that really was a benefit to all levels of our organization. And considering that we are very much a tech organization, that's where my challenge was. How do I get those guys engaged who know so much? And we found that we were able to. So James, we're, we're touching on different roles within the workforce, maybe requiring a, a different approach when it comes to training. Looking at the organization as a whole, if you are creating one of these training programs, is there a natural starting point for you? Yeah, well, I think the point Ravi makes is really, really valid, which is, you know, actually, you know, people need it to, to resonate with them, you know, from their personal lives, which is, is great. But also each department have, have different risks. So, you know, 250 of Ravi's engineers have very different risks to the finance department. But I think as a, as a natural starting point to come back to the first question, you know, the, the best security programs that we see uh, have buy-in from the top. So C-level execs are bought in, they're really wanting to drive cultural change in the organization, see it as a big project in terms of driving that change forward and making people more aware. And I think that, you know, once you get that, that buy-in and then really start to look at actually what risks does the organization have, you know, as I say, finance may be very different to customer experience or, you know, or, or sales. We all know that salespeople are really happy to click on phishing attacks, you know, in terms of purchase orders received, especially at this time of the year. So I think, you know, loads of different examples about how different organizations use things. But I think to start with, C-level exec buy-in is, is one way. And, that, and I agree with James there because our C-level in our organization, not only have they bought in with it, but they are not exempt from the training either. It's an interesting insight. Those in customer-facing roles that receive emails potentially from all kinds of people, not just internal emails, they are you know, probably prime targets 
in terms of phishing links. And as we know, a lot of attacks come through email and, and, and dodgy links therein. But also, you know, back to the point about CEOs and, and C-level execs being very, very good champions in a way for, for leading that charge of cyber training. Mm-hmm. The C-level execs are also prime targets mm-hmm. for malicious actors as well, aren't they? Absolutely, yeah. I've heard of a number of occasions, actually just in, in the local area where smaller businesses have been targeted with, with spear phishing attacks and transferred tens of thousands of pounds to, to fraudulent suppliers, bank accounts, and things like that. So I think, yeah, absolutely. Perhaps sometimes the C-level execs don't always see how uh, vulnerable they are. Yeah, we, we have seen that. And to be honest, we're also seeing that some of our major customers are now engaging in red team attacks where they are actually actively trying to see if where we are vulnerable. And one of, the, one of our major clients, which is Red Bull, they decided to, to launch a phishing campaign against, and it was really creative. Um, they realized in 2019, we were Microsoft Partner of the Year. So what they did is they spoofed a page from the CEO, Austria, from Microsoft, and sent it to those who attended the the Microsoft Inspire in Las Vegas, so they they which was all on the web page. It was all very open. So that so what they did is a social engineering exercise. They picked the people and they sent this with a USB stick and an email. And they were like, "Oh, please look at the pictures from from this event." Mm-hmm. You know, compliments of Microsoft. So there it went. The awareness training and what we had been doing in the past year, everybody was like, "This doesn't look correct." something doesn't look right. Why would they just target? And, and, you know, they followed the protocols. They they established it. They looked at it. And our customer ended up being very pleased with the reaction because they were not able to catch us out. You know, and I think that this is the proof of where training will take you because we always have to be aware of the, the various exercises that are out there. We always have to be aware of potential attack vectors and we are a prime target and even our customers want to test that we are doing things and so red bull was extremely happy to see that yay you know this company is proactively trying to raise the awareness in their organization to prevent attacks like this so yeah i you know i see where the benefits are in real terms i think also one of the things there is that's quite a clever attack you know that Mm -hmm. quite well thought out to be fair it was. It was. I mean, like I said, and, and am I proud? Of course I am, you know, uh, you know, but it's like the old adage, if you're going to practice for an exam, make sure your practice is much harder than the actual exam. So, you know, you always practice on harder questions. And so my job is to make sure some of the simulations that we do not only copy real world, but try to take it to another level. Again, just pushing the awareness, pushing the awareness across the entire organization. You know, no one is exempt from being vulnerable, choosing the late afternoon to conduct the exercise simply because most people are winding down on a Friday from a hard week. They have the glass of wine in their hand. And nine out of 10 of them will check their emails because we all work on our telephones. You know, so are you going to hover over the link or the, on the telephone or will you accidentally click it? It's a hit or miss. Even if you're thinking I should do the right thing, you know, it's, it's much harder. So again, it's about elevating the, just completely the awareness of what's going on 
on using real world tactics, you know, yeah. COVID, all these things that are out there in the, in the real world right now, that's what we are using and trying to catch as many people as we can. So yes, training, then we, we do the simulations behind it. You know, it's the only way, it's, it's sort of a, a, a sort of a real world continuous learning process. You know, keep simulating that you're continuously under attack. Train, attack, train, attack. Yeah, and you can't manage something until you can monitor it as the old management adage goes. Mm -hmm. And being able mm -hmm. to quantify the success of, well, I guess, indirectly of, of your training campaigns and training programs is a good way to be able to, I guess, take a bit of a view as to where you're at, areas where maybe you do need to focus your regular efforts and we'll come back yeah, on to the it, yeah, regularity of those uh, training interventions shortly. Yeah, but I mean for, for us, yes, you you need to show, you know, the baseline where you're at and where you can improve. It's also great to report to management where, yeah. where the organization and base it against other ones in our industry where we are. The takeaway though that I would add here, we don't use this statistic to penalize anyone or to to point fingers and say, oh, we caught you out. That's not the objective. The objective is we want to come down to zero. And so we take it as a learning exercise. And I admit that I am more devious and, and I really try to think like, ah, and use as much, you know, my last one was, you know, you get three euro per day from work at home based on, on COVID, you know. So again, trying to take things that would automatically be of interest to most people working and try to, to trick them out. And this is what hackers do. This is the social engineering. This is what they do. So yeah, it's really just trying to keep everyone aware. And if the more aware they are, the, the, the better they feel. And when they catch it out and they report it, they, it's like, oh, I spotted that one. Great. You know, um, and, and the, the thing is the technology filters a lot, but they still get through our filters and that's the reality. So that's touching very much on the who, a few other mm -hmm. areas as well. But building on that, we, we made a point earlier about different training content applying to different areas, to, to different parts of the workforce. So I'm just curious, James, perhaps on how different types of content can be targeted to resonate with those different areas of the workforce. Yeah, well, I think it's about you know, making sure the content is very specific to each risk that you have in the organization. So if you, if you talk about, you know, our finance team have very different risk profile than our customer facing teams, our development teams, for example, as Ravi was saying, and making it specific to that uh, individual. So I think that's, that's the, the, the core thing. And then it's about actually how much content can that person or those people actually take, making sure that you don't have content fatigue in the organization. So you're you know, really trying to get too much stuff out there because in reality, people can only take so much and they can only digest so much. So I think, you know, they, they would be they would be the couple of big things on that point. And we've, we've spoken about that. And Ravi, I'll come to you, you know, and how you manage this, this balance between too much and too little, you know, one off and done, one and done, isn't uh, effective. So no. How do you make sure that your training is repeatable but not repetitive. My colleague and I in, in the compliance department, we sort of figured out where we would like to go. So we, a theme, and, I, and I'll use the, the current theme was work from home. And what we did is we said, okay, this, we'll use this in a particular quarter. We want to do four or five trainings in this quarter that are leading up 
to this or or surrounding this particular topic, work from home. So small little bites, 10-minute bites. So let's say we do four trainings. We're talking in total 40 minutes over a period of three months. But what's the plan? The plan is we're leading up to a phishing campaign at the end of that three-month period. And again, trying to catch them out. So we're building the, the little stories on what they should be looking out for, leading them to a campaign where we're going to try and target them to see well, how much were they really paying attention? Because what, what, what we found is they do the training and then you forget it. But when we're leading it up in a direction and then we attack you and you get caught out, boy, do you come back to that training again and go, I think I need to check this out. You know, it reinforces it. And, and like I said, we are not penalizing anybody. We're just constantly trying to raise awareness. But that, that's our goal. So every quarter, we sort of try to build a few trainings leading up to and we keep it in small bites because like I said a 10 minute bite when you talk 40 minutes over a period of 90 days okay that's not a lot of time that's literally your cup of coffee in the morning and most of the videos the content that we're using are two minutes two and a half minutes you know they're, they're not long bits of content so you can actually while you're just getting your day started you know sit down and just watch a video in the morning and it's like, oh, and it's their, their fun little videos and answer a few questions. And then you start your day and you, you move on. But in three months time, when we do the fishing exercise, it pulls it all back into perspective. And I think that's the way we have approached it. So we're not, we're not doing an overburden, but we're building up to something. Yeah. Like my piano teacher used to say, little and often, not 45 minutes a week, but you know, if Correct. Every day, obviously, extrapolate that over a longer period of time. And James, I guess this is all part of what what we've spoken about before, about treating training and and other parts of your cyber awareness program. Treat it like a calendar. Treat it like a, a, a diary. Have that regular cadence, that regular drumbeat of stuff over 12 months. And be prepared to revisit that as well based upon the outcomes. You know, if you are conducting checkpoints during the course of the year, and you know, if you're seeing that people are weaker when it comes to phishing attacks, for example, being able to tell your program to try and cope with that. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. That's, you know, that's exactly the way, the way I see it and the way I, you know, I speak to a lot of customers. And, and, and that's, I think, the way the market is moving. I think if you looked at where we were a couple of years ago, really it was, let's fish everyone, see what happens. But I think the market is really moving towards, you know, changing security awareness, changing security culture via programs. And that's, you know, via programs, that's, that's through a multitude of different means, phishing only being one of those things. But actually, you need to engage your users in a really, you know, positive way to get them to start listening and, and, and changing their behaviors, as, as Ravi has, has talked about. What kind of things can you do to make sure that what they're watching is going to go into their brains as best as it possibly can and therefore create that behavioral change or reinforce those points that you want to try and make sure will stay with them when they're not sat in front of the laptop on a training call? First of all, I think it's really important that actually there's a message from the organization within the training. So actually, a little bit like that C-level thing we talked a little about, if there's something from the organization, C-level, CISO, CIO, you know, chief executive officer, saying, look, this is really important. We are getting attacked in this way, et cetera, et cetera. So a little bit of personalization at the start of the training, I think, can be really important. And then actually, I think it's about making it fun. It's about making it interesting, engaging, and hitting those points that Ravi mentioned earlier, which is a lot of the time, if you hit the points that resonate with people's personal lives, that's when it will make it sticky because actually they'll realize, oh, my word, that could actually affect me in my personal life. 
So I think, you know, making it fun and engaging and short. I think, you know, we talked a bit about earlier about the old PowerPoint decks of, you know, de- death by PowerPoint with 20, 25 minutes. And I think people are busy. So making it short, sharp and fun would be, would be sort of my top tips to, to get it to resonate with employees as quickly as possible. Just to add to that, that was one of the reasons of choosing or part of the search when we were looking for a training provider because we were looking for that engaging content because we don't have the ability to create to create content, you know, the, the, for, for a mid-sized organization to go in and hire videographers, et cetera, and all of that and put together something is just not financially viable, you know? So, of course, we were searching for, for content providers that could give us that engaging material. Um, and, and that was really key for us. So, you know, once you saw that engaging material, then we were able to say, ah, this fits what we want. We also realized from past experience that we needed to have short bites. So just for attention span, for time, because people have to deal with clients as well. You know, these were part of the criteria for us. So it's, it's yes, cost comes into it as part of the equation, but those weren't important. So it was, it was the engaging content. It was the bite size that we could, we could deliver, you know, and, and that really was what we were looking for from my side. So you address James to see how were they going to do it we were looking for the content ready-made and that's where that was our search. Yeah, it makes sense, really. <laughs> Another element of this who question that I want to tease out is, is this thing about enlisting a champion, enlisting a cybersecurity champion. And I hear this a lot, you know, not just about cyber, that an internal champion for, for any kind of change can be really effective in, in helping the workforce to adapt to, to, to embrace that change. So, What's your advice, James, on finding that champion or indeed nurturing one if there isn't an obvious candidate? Again, loads of examples with customers in this. The big travel firm, actually, that went out um, and, and, and used this champion concept and actually you know, taught me a little bit, which is actually people want to be involved. They want to be engaged in, in change and they want to help the organizations generally move forward. So they went out to their, their staff and they said, look, we're going to nominate champions to help us run our awareness program around the globe. They have 15,000 people. And in each country, they ran a program where they said, okay, if you're, if you're interested, uh, send your email into HR. And they were overwhelmed with the amount of response that they got because actually loads of people wanted to be involved in that change program. I think mainly probably because it's exciting. It's top of mind. You know, cybersecurity is top of mind. And it means that that person can be involved in something different than their day job which gives people, you know, a little bit of, of, of something new. So I would, I would encourage organizations to actually enlist the help of their, their staff and, you know, engage their minds because actually a lot of the ideas that we hear come from the organization's employees. Ravi, how, how successful have you been in, in your different organizations about finding those champions and you know, so, have you found that they've been helpful for your, for your purposes? Yeah, ours is a little different. We were forced into changing how we approached uh, training and security because of going for the ISO 27001 certification. So that, that created, we were aiming for a goal and, and training is a major part of it as well as with, with the, the new data protection laws in place. So that, that was the driver. The difference, I guess, is because again, we're an engineering company, we didn't need to find individual champions. What we, our target was every user and every person involved 
has to be security aware. And because we have engineers, one of the things that I had asked all the entire group is if you have any ideas, anything that we can improve, please inform. Please open up and say it. Not everything works because there are other constraints that may come into place, but please put it on the table. I think you're absolutely right there. You know, and it's about, you know, because I think it's just different each side of the organization. So as you get bigger, you, know, you need to have more, more people. Correct. And, and so like the cybersecurity awareness program advisory council where you pull different people in and, you know, all the employees can feed up to one place. You know, I think you're absolutely right. Gentlemen, we are almost out of time for today, I'm afraid. Any other business, Ravi, I'll put this to you first of all. Any final thoughts on making sure that your cyber awareness training sticks within your organization? I think if we, if we keep with the constant end goal of testing the training, so having some fun content, but with, with a goal of test, continuous testing, it means that we're reminding people why we're doing the training. And I think if I'm going to take something away or would like people to understand, it's not just about imparting the knowledge today, saying, hey, wonderful, you've learned about it, and then we do nothing with that knowledge. You know, we need to reinforce it with the continuous testing to make sure that people remember it. And again, make it as fun as possible. You know, I mean, it is security. It is vital for all of us. And, and I think that the more that we're engaging with the outside world, whether it's from our mobile device, whether it's we're connecting through our parking ticket system on our telephone, it doesn't matter where, where we are in, we're interacting with the outside. And as long as that happens, we need to continuously raise awareness where we are. And yes, good engaging content coupled with good testing exercises. And I think if we do that, then that'll always keep us one step ahead to the best that we can. Indeed. We can only do the best that we can, but we can elevate as good as that can be. Uh, thank <laughs> you very much indeed, Ravi. James, any final thoughts from you? Yeah, look, uh, I completely agree with Ravi. And Ravi, thanks very much for joining. Much appreciate your, your, your time. I think one other thing to point out from, from MetaCompliance side, we've actually created a campaign planner which will help organizations plan out their, their program a little bit like what you were talking about earlier, David, and really get to visualize all the things that are going out to their organization. And the link will be available at the end of this webinar to download if anyone would like to do so. Good stuff. Well, that is it for today. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Ravi and James, your certificates are in the post on posh paper <laughs> with a signature on the bottom. Thank Perfect. you Perfect. Thank you very, very much for having me. Thanks. Cheers, everyone. Bye, everyone. Until next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>